Hello and welcome to the Work Matters Podcast, where we talk about what matters at work and how to make it better. I'm Robert Richardson, here with Dr. Steve Hunt. Doctor, what matters at work today? Remote work matters, and not just remote work, hybrid work, this whole move to like, you know, we're not all in the office anymore, we're working virtually. And Robert, is remote work new to you? I think it's new to a lot of people, but it's not new necessarily. How about you? What's been your experience with remote work? No, I've I've sort of had it all different ways at, at this point. As a teenager, I bust tables. In my 20s, I served tables. In college, I taught kids in the classroom. Uh, I've worked in other people's homes at security companies and in office here at SAP and at a startup Jobs to Web. So you've had a lot of experience in remote work. I mean, do you prefer remote work to on-site work? Do you have one preference one way or the other? So that is such a good question because I think that I slowly evolved over the course of time. My first serious office job was at a startup called Jobs to Web. And at that point in time, I think working in the office was super critical for us, you know, because you you needed to hear each other. You needed to overhear each other as we were developing our product and our pitch and all of that kind of thing. But the funny thing was, as I gained confidence I slowly but surely just realized by and by that I was coming into the office less and less. We traveled a lot too, you know, and and so between traveling a lot and then working from home, I actually remember one day hearing secondhand that our CEO was actually asking where the heck Robert had been. (laughs) And so, you know, I was a little afraid that I was going to get in trouble. So Ken Hollick, if you're listening to this, uh, that's why I started coming back in every single day. But for a while, you know, it was interesting. Slowly but surely, as I observed my own behavior, I found that I came out of the habit of coming into work slowly again over the course of time. I think it's interesting as you get into that that was remote work for me, I've worked remotely for a long time, but you hit on a few things that so much of it has to do with not working remote. It's the culture that you're in. So one, I don't buy into that we need to be together to be creative because I work for startups that were located in multiple sure. countries and we were very successful and there was no way we could all be in the same office. Yeah. But we had a really good culture for that. And I've also definitely worked with the anxiety. I once talked to a friend because I've worked remotely for a long time. I said, I have this fear that somebody in corporate is going to look at a spreadsheet and say, who is that guy and why are we paying him? I've never seen him before. So there's this anxiety of remote work. And so much of it has to do with the not working remotely, but the culture and how people interact, which is why I'm super, super excited to have Dr. Laura Hambly, who's our guest today, who is somebody who's been studying remote work for a decade. She is the co-founder of a company called Work Evolution. She has done work on something called Distributed Work Profiler, which is a whole tool about helping people understand remote work, how to be more effective at remote work. And so, Laura, welcome to the show. And my gosh, I can't imagine how busy you must be right now, given all the changes that have happened around the remote work world. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. And it has been a tidal wave of changes going on and opportunities to lend a hand wherever we can based on all of our years of doing this sort of consulting and work to help people and organizations. I gave a very abbreviated version of your bio and background, but I'm curious, you've done so much work around remote work and hybrid work and distributed work. Why does it matter so much to you? Why have you put so much time and attention 
to this one aspect of work, including doing it before the pandemic hit. It's not new to you. So what was the thing that got you into this topic? Back in the day, it was 1998. And I was just uh, finishing off my master's degree in counseling psychology. And I got the opportunity to work with a dot-com company. And back in the day, dot-coms were the new <laughs> exciting opportunity. And it was very much a startup environment. And we had an office here in Calgary, an office in Toronto, and an office in New York. So immediately, I was catapulted into being part of virtual teams. We called them back in those days in the late 90s fast forward a few years, I found myself on all different types of virtual teams, working with colleagues in Europe that I had never met. And just like you said, Steve, we were very innovative, creative, we were getting a lot done. But I often wondered, how come some leaders really weren't inspiring and weren't managing the scenario very well of all of us in different locations? And some were just great. So when I started my doctorate in 2002, I decided I would look at virtual team leadership or how to lead and motivate teams from a distance. So it's actually been 18 years since I've been researching this topic. Wow. What are the major things people should think about given all this work that you've done, you know, because it is new to so many people. What are the big things that as we move to a more remote work that people should be focusing on? If I were to say a few things that are top of mind, one would be blurred boundaries between working remotely and the rest of your life. So blurred boundaries, meaning the overlap between our work and our personal lives is blurred more than ever before. And that has lots of impacts. And then building and maintaining relationships. And I think the connectedness of people with human beings face-to-face -face is one of the number one things people miss and then the third would be career development and how people can continue progressing their careers when they're not being seen in an office on a daily basis. Those are three out of many other topics I would love to have time for. <laughs> Blurred boundaries, building, maintaining good relationships and career development. 18 years ago, are these the things that everybody was thinking about or has this evolved over the course of time? Team dynamics were something we really looked at early on, how to motivate teams, etc. I think now with the way that technology has really caught up since I began the research, there's just so many more modes of communicating. There's so many more ways of getting information across to each other. And I think that's really made the conversations more complex, but also lots more opportunities to, to work together in a more engaging way. When you look at blurred boundaries, what is the big challenge that people are facing on that front? Sure. So I think when we were, many of us were catapulted into remote work, the boundaries between home and work became very, very blurred. And what we were hearing a lot of as organizational psychologists is that people found they were either working all the time or they just couldn't shut off because their office was right there. When it comes to remote work and blurred boundaries, we've done a lot of work on the integrator versus boundary setter. So some of us are more naturally integrators and we're okay having the kid. I'll run in and I'll do this thing with my kid and then I'll um, do a little laundry and I'll get this report done and you know I'll work at all hours, but it doesn't matter because everything is blended. Work yeah. and life are one. Then the boundary setter is more about clear start time, clear lunch time, clear end time. They set their boundaries very clearly. And neither one of these 
styles are necessarily a bad thing. We are one or the other style typically, but the challenge is when a leader is one way or a teammate is one way and I'm another way, right? And we're not respecting each other's boundaries or we're not honoring our own need for work-life wellness. (laughs) So we can be an integrator, but if we're not building in snippets of time for our wellness throughout our day, that's a big problem too. There is the balancing with your manager and your leader, but it's got to be a big issue with your own family too. Is there rules that you need to set if you're an integrator and you're married to a boundary setter and stuff like that? Has that been something that you've explored? Because I think that has to be a major impact on an effective remote work environment. I mean, we haven't explored it through research, but sure, we've done a lot of training and and development with leaders around this, et cetera. And and I think having people in the family interrupting you, children, that's the number one things that people find really hard to manage when they have young children at home. And and remote work was never meant to be a substitution for childcare. So earlier in the days of my research, I always said that telework is not a substitute for childcare, right? We need, you know, sure, if your kids are at home, you better have childcare at home along with you. It is. It's fascinating how different this situation that we find ourselves in with COVID and everybody needing to work from home who is able versus maybe a more traditional work from home environment, because you're right, the kids are home. And uh, while I've spent many years at this point in time, part between an office and part working from home and then full time working from home, I never worked full time from home with four kids who are all doing school alongside me. You know, I never had, you know, including my wife, I've got five coworkers now today, right? All of which want uh, one minute each coming into my office for the, what I like to refer to as the Yagata minutes. You know what I mean? So, you know, one person after another, after and that adds up to an hour worth of Yagata minutes. I'm really curious for those, whether you're a boundary setter or an integrator, how do you deal with the Yagata minutes? I think you need to have that open conversation about, perhaps times of day when you got a minute is okay and almost like having office hours or visitation hours and I think having a fun sign on your door and making it humorous right and saying you know daddy's busy you know you don't want to interrupt when that signs up but when the other signs up called got a minute open the door then that sign is okay and come in and say hi to dad right so just making little rules of engagement like that and really respecting each other's boundaries that's a really good point because i think in my own life when i've because i've worked remotely for a long time but one of the things that made it work and i give credit to my wife who's smarter than me in many ways because <laughs> i'm more of an integrator and she's a boundary setter and she said i said oh i'll put my office up here in the main floor and she's like no you'll be in the basement because then we know you're away and you're working and kind of joke but it also creates a commute there's a commute Mm -hmm. down the stairs and mentally it kind of creates that boundary you know so i Mm -hmm. think that ability to create physical boundaries but you also talked a little bit about the manager too just as you need child care, what about manager care? Is there stuff that as an employee, when you're setting up remote work, are there conversations managers and employees should be having around boundaries right off the bat that are going to help avoid some of these issues? hundred percent. So when we train managers, we always say that identifying who you are and, and whether you're an integrator or boundary setter, and then having those conversations with your team. And the more you can understand each person's style on that continuum, the better, because then you can better um, communicate with that person and, and respect their boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, everyone has boundaries. Even if you're an integrator, you need some sort of boundaries. 
So set those up right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, want, I wanted to switch to the next topic around relationships. I mean, this is an interesting one because 15 years ago, technology wasn't that good for maintaining long-distance relationships when it's phones. But now probably most people have more relationships through electronic communication than they do through physical. I mean, I've got more friends on Facebook than I have friends. The technology has definitely made it incredibly easy for us to at least think we're well-connected and communicate. When you look at that building and maintaining relationships in this hyper-connected world, what are the guidelines for maintaining good relationships? I think it's about, again, understanding, we call it versatile communication. So understanding each person, how they need to be communicated with. We all have different communication preferences in terms of how much we want to have actual synchronous communication, how much we want to have video, et cetera, and how much we are okay with just text-based communication, et cetera. And then the the cadence or the rhythm of the touch points that we need. Some of us are much more independent and autonomous and other of us work in a more collaborative type style. So each of us has our own way that we're wired. So we look a lot at at personality traits as well as um, aspects of a team. So a healthy distributed team has certain elements or aspects to how they communicate communicate. So I would say healthy communication needs to respect each person's style, but as well as the needs of the team. And then we always recommend creating a team charter. And part of that is about communication. It's about what medium do we use for what purpose? What do we do when something is more conflictual in nature and tense and has a lot of friction? How do we address that conversation? And that's part of building relationships is understanding the type of communication tool or medium you need to use depending on the purpose. Yeah, I I really like that because some of these technologies are making how we communicate so diverse that it's almost confusing. You know, like if I look at all the different ways that I have to communicate, Steve, let's just take us as an example. I can email you. I can text message you. I can Teams message you. I can go on and on and on. We can FaceTime, we can Zoom. There are so many options. So kind of setting up. I'm going to send you a letter once just to like send you a letter. (laughs) I was going to instant message you, but I thought I'd send you this letter. (laughs) You know, the one way that won't work is the mail because that goes straight from the mailbox to the recycle bin. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't even step in my home in between. It's straight to the garage. But there's so many different methods that figuring out what is your team's cadence and mm-hmm. manager to employee, what is the cadence and what is the preferred tool and methodology, I think is really critical. I'm really curious, what about spontaneous relationships? Have mm-hmm. those really suffered in in a, you know, COVID sort of forced remote to work kind of experience? And How do we still create the kind of spontaneous relationships that you would have by bumping into each other? That is one of the challenges for sure. And in working, we're working with one organization right now that's really looking at their future of work culture. And one thing that came up in the data that we collected across the organization was that it's more networking with different teams in the organization. That's what's faltering. Whereas collaboration with your own team has actually improved um, because you're all on the, we call it level playing field. Everyone is remote and they're all on a level playing field and they're communicating 
quite a bit with their own team, but they're not having those chance encounters with other teams. And then that, that's part of networking as well, which is our next topic, but it just makes it tougher to build new relationships. Well, and I think it's interesting because I've seen also some of our customers have done things where they'll create like one pairing people up at random just to connect with people you wouldn't connect with. But I think we have to mm-hmm. remind, remind ourselves that being in an office didn't mean we had these conversations all the time either, True. but we do miss them. I think it's easier to, to Robert, to your point, that, yeah. to have that spontaneous dialogue is easier in person. But I wanted to get back to something before we get to relationships. Your question about conflict, because... Mm-hmm. People often say 60% of communication is nonverbal, which I honestly don't think is true. I've never seen really good research that demonstrates that. But I do think in certain times that face-to-face communication, when you're trying to manage emotions, you're trying to really kind of see how they're feeling, that is harder to do electronically. Mm-hmm. So what is the advice that you give to employees and managers around being able to tell when relationships are maybe strained remotely and how to resolve it when maybe you can't meet in person. Any changes in that person's communication pattern is a sign, right? It's a sign of something. Maybe it's a sign that they're just really overloaded, but maybe it's a sign that they are struggling with depression or, right, something's changed in how they're communicating. Maybe they have a foot out the door. So as a leader, your job is to really have regular check-ins, not checking up on. So checking in is about how are you doing? I just wanted to reach out. I just wanted to, you know, check in to see how I might be able to help with anything or um, how are you doing as a human being? And we can also check in with our colleagues. And I think that builds a relationship. You truly care about that person as a human being. Yeah. I think that point of like making a point that you just schedule and in-person conversation occasionally just to have that conversation. Well, going back to the relationships and opportunities, what about career development? I think, you know, I've met people that have found jobs, changed jobs successfully in the course of this pandemic, never met the people in person, but it seems strange. When you think about (laughs) career development and an employee particularly if they're not super well connected in the network, what are the, what are the career development strategies in a more remote world? This is really interesting and important. And I think that when I talk about level playing field, I think it, the fact that networks are now level across all different roles and people that you could never access before are now accessible more than ever. So whenever we're working on career development with leaders, it's, it's always about... LinkedIn, of course, and using LinkedIn to never hesitate to reach out. But obviously, there's certain ways to do that and messaging. But a lot of people are open to having what we call an information interview, um, which is about, hey, I've always been interested in X, Y, or Z type of work, you know, would I be able to talk to you about your career and ask you some questions about the interesting work you're doing for 20 minutes, right? So try to keep it brief, 20, 30 minutes. A lot of people will say yes to something like that if it's phrased the right way. Um, And you can learn so much and build out your networks incredibly, way more than you have before with the power of LinkedIn. I think that's fantastic. We found a couple different interviews we've done on this podcast that have really emphasized the importance of informational interviews and and just the power that they have to, there's something about being asked to serve as a mentor, something about being asked to help that just engages a part of the average Mm -hmm. person's brain. You are 
rarely going to get turned down if if you do this yeah. right and right you had some compelling reason to reach out to that person yeah it needs to be a, a compelling reason like i'm interested in in what you have to say and it has to be you have to be patient you have to be willing to wait a couple of months to get into their calendar and third you have to try the rule of 3 and i always say successful people follow the rule of three. Well, what's that? Well, never just send an email and be done with it. I wanted to talk to Robert, but he never got back to me. Well, what did you do? I sent him an email. You sent Robert one email? (laughs) That's like throwing a needle in a haystack and hoping it'll be found. (laughs) Um, So I always say three different attempts, at least two different media. So if you've already emailed, then you need to do something else. And it can be you know, it could be a message on LinkedIn just from a different medium, or it could be picking up like a, leaving a voice message, of course, which is becoming more and more in our past, isn't it? Yeah, it isn't, isn't that interesting? Yes. And I, I love your rule of three. And let me just add to it. Don't reply to your own email referencing your earlier failure to, to hear back. Right. So, (laughs) you know, it's a failed strategy. Let's just get that out there. So three attempts using two different media. I absolutely love that. I think that's really good, too. I mean, this remote work, it actually opens up a lot more opportunities when we take away geographical constraint. Right. You don't need to meet in person. People are more welcoming to it. I do think, too, and we've chatted, Laura, as we're preparing this. This doesn't mean don't meet with people in person, but it's going to make it easier to meet with people in person if we can sort of connect with them in advance. As we go in the last question on this, you, you started it earlier. You talked about like with the boundaries, we have integrators versus boundary setters and there's different personalities. When you look at remote work and working in this more virtual world, and regardless of the company that you work for now, it's going to be more hybrid and remote than it was before. That mm-hmm. we're certain of. Are there certain traits that make people struggle with remote work? And if so, what are they so people can be aware of them? And how do you manage them? Around 2003, I got involved in a study of how to increase telework adoption. And the driver to the study was literally the driver. It was road congestion. And so we got in there and we were collecting data and surveying and everything. And I, as I talked to more people and we're we were working with some organizations that had work from home mm-hmm. programs and, and we were looking at, well, why do some people really fit with working from home and other people just run away and just don't want to go near it? And I said, what if we could collect some personality data on that? And what makes someone tick when they just flourish and love working from home? So I convinced these three business professors I was collaborating with as the one psychology professor that I could collect this data. And then Tom, my my partner and I in the business work evolution, early in the day, we said, let's collect this, let's uh, start analyzing it, and let's create a remote work profiler. And we did. We created the first one that we knew of that was evidence-based, valid, and reliable to look at the traits that matter to working remotely and the continuum on which people fall. And uh, we actually nailed 11 traits and we've used it a ton with organizations and people. And I would say um, the ones that could get in your way are procrastination, which we call quick starting. So if you're not a quick starter, if you're high on procrastination, that is a tricky one when you're working remotely. You need more cues, you need more structure, etc. because it is so much easier to procrastinate when you don't have that, the cues of the office. 
So that's one example. We'll put a link to in the show notes to where you can see more. Because I know you said there's several traits. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to go through all of them. But I think that's, I think one of the things you said interesting too is thinking about how the physical space shapes our behavior and things like procrastination, almost bringing it back to boundary spanning. For me, I'm not a big procrastinator. Well, I don't know. My wife might argue. But having a dedicated workspace is a huge thing because it's a trigger. It's a trigger for, okay, sit down work. And um, it's also like you should never work from your bed because it'll mess up your sleep patterns, for example. It's looking at how physical space still influences our work, regardless of whether or not we're in an office or at home. So I think that's a really good point. Any last thoughts, Robert? Do you have any last thoughts before we let Laura head off to our next Zoom meeting? <laughs> Speaking of remote work, I find this aspect that, you know, you have uh, done so much research on what kind of personality traits can make a person, you know, maybe more prone to being good at working remotely or or not, you, you know, and that insight into yourself, I think, could be really helpful for people who are pursuing the next career and deciding, do I want to work from home or do I want to work from an office? Do, do you have any kind of resources that can help people decide? We definitely have good resources on our blog. So on our website, workevolution.com, we have a blog and we have lots of articles and resources for individuals, for leaders. Um, And part of it is we want to build better bosses of remote workers. How many of you can relate to that? (laughs) So we, we like to really, we assess leaders, we have resources, training, all these different good things for for them too. And then I also have drlaura.live website and I have some really interesting articles there too. I mean, there's one called why does it take a pandemic to change the way we work and live? And it talks about working in nature and things like that. Maybe we haven't thought of very much bringing nature into our offices and being out in nature, which is a whole other topic, but really good resources there too. Yeah. What a fascinating topic. You know, you mentioned early on that you started looking into this 18 years ago. It is fascinating that it took COVID for, you know, the entire world to suddenly flip, you know, and and I remember years of my life uh, telling my children to be quiet in the background, you know, that we wouldn't want that to come through on, on the phone. And now they walk into my office and the rule is if you step into my office and I'm on a meeting, you have to introduce yourself. And that's their now. So they don't want to, you know, they're so embarrassed. They don't want to have to introduce themselves to my coworkers. That's uh, awesome. We can't thank you enough. It's been such a a wonderful topic and and timely, certainly, with everybody out there navigating COVID and the potential, you know, potentially being able to go back into the office. Well, thanks for having me. And you guys are doing a heck of a job. I've checked out a couple of your other episodes now, and I, I'm a follower. I'm a loyal follower of your podcast now. I love it. Well, thank you very much. Wow, Robert, what did you think of that conversation with Laura? I'm actually thinking back, Steve. You, you and I were on a meeting uh, several months ago over the summer, in fact, with uh, a group of CHROs. And, and what I found fascinating as I think about that conversation in this one is is we focused a lot on the challenges of, of working remotely today. But in fact, what was really interesting about the conversation we had with all those CHROs is at the very end, you know, they were saying this is going so well that the principal question that we're asking ourselves is why have everybody 
return to work. And so now the question for them was becoming, you know, who returns to work versus who doesn't and how do we navigate? Yeah. What we've experienced in 2020 wasn't like natural remote work. It was, you know, physical isolation. So there were a lot of the stresses that we had that remote work outcome of that need to sort of socially distance ourselves. But it's also opened up a whole new way of thinking. I think it's made people realize the technology has evolved, that we should be working differently, which is really good because it's, you know, it's really inclusive. There's a lot of people that would be great employees that couldn't work when they were required to commute, either because they had physical disabilities, economic situations where they couldn't live, childcare responsibilities. The break, making geography not a constraint for work is hugely inclusive. And I think the last thing too, and it was funny, I liked your question about how this has changed since Laura started looking at 18 years ago and she talked about the technology. I sometimes think people forget an office building is a form of technology that was created in the 19th century so people could communicate. How true. It's an outdated <laughs> form of technology now that we have the internet. How and now we're finally having this realization. So I think it's pretty um, it's an exciting time to be involved in this. And it's really great to have somebody like Laura who can give us advice to how to navigate this new world. So, wow, I definitely learned some stuff. So it was well, a cool, cool episode, man. That is fascinating. And I am one of those people who just didn't really think of a building as a bit of technology, much like Teams or Skype or Zoom or whatever you're on today. So that that is fascinating. So work on blurred boundaries build and maintain good relationships and make sure you're continuing to focus on building your career remotely. That's all we've got for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Laura Hambly, for joining us as well. Thanks to our editor and chief sanity officer, Morgan Garner, and to Domi Caputo, both of the SAP.io Foundry program for making this show possible. Finally, thanks to Claudia Weller and the whole Open SAP team for so much of the other educational programming for professionals that they're putting on daily. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we hope we've earned a new subscriber and perhaps a quick rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be sure to get you more information in our show notes. So if you're looking for more from Dr. Hambly, Work Evolution, or SAP, look no further than that. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast because what matters? Well, today, being remote matters. Work matters. Thanks for joining us on the Work Matters Podcast. <laughs>